Hi, I'm Mayor Sambal Siddiqui. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Happy Friday the 13th. Oh, is it Friday the 13th? That makes so much more sense. <laughs> it is. Um, it's, I, I woke up this morning and um, my phone showed me that it's been four years since I ran a half, my half marathon. Oh, wow. The and now Times. you just run half marathons at school committee hearings. <laughs> yeah, I sure do. I sure do. Uh, <laughs> last, last night at 1030, I was like, God, I hope they vote soon so I can go to bed. Jeez. It was a long last, night was, last night was tough for me. It was tough. And Alana knows this because I was texting her. Like I threw up in the middle of the meeting, you know, like I had to stop the camera and I just... <laughs> threw up in the trash can next to me because I I just got over overcame it was like around like 10 like just this headache and I almost lost it I thought I was going to faint I thought I was going to faint oh my god you're alone in city hall I completely alone and then one of the people comes in and they're like we're heading out you have to call because you know at half past 10 it yeah. happened to me many times. You have to call in to make sure City Hall is locked. Anyway, it's all this. So, <laughs> so much. You're like, can you here. take my trash can? <laughs> like, <laughs> my life alive. There goes twelve dollars. I'll never see again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you can laugh about it. Last night, I was like, do I have to go down there? I know, I know. I literally, I just was like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what happened. I just felt so sick. I think it's just, I, I, I don't, I got tested for COVID um, the other day. So I am good. I am going to get tested again. So I just think it was like a weird thing. Well, it's been a really busy week. Um, we've had a lot of meetings at night. Um, and so you probably haven't been getting a lot of sleep. And I know, you know, just watching those numbers go up and, and worrying about schools and whether they're going to stay open or closed. It's a lot. It's really a lot. Yeah, but it was a long week, but we saw each other briefly Saturday. I know. Um, so it does feel like a hundred years ago that we found out the news that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are our new president and vice president. And like, I was not expecting to feel that much joy. I, I just, it was so overwhelming and like complete and total and it was just a beautiful day and then you know we we just decided to go I think you went to city hall first um and there were a bunch of people there I went to Harvard Square with my husband and there was just like people everywhere uh you know where were you when you heard the news home I was home it was my daughter's uh 13th birthday so we were setting up, she was having a little movie party in the backyard and I walked in the house and everyone was standing around the TV and I was like, <laughs> I was kind of annoyed. I was like, what is everybody doing? Like, I'm busy <laughs> setting up, <laughs> get to work. And everyone was like looking at the TV and I was like, oh my God, I, I just couldn't believe it. I just, I actually thought we might just looked at that like electoral map stuck at like 259, like for the rest of our lives. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So. I was with my mom um, and, you know, I don't get to see my parents too often because life, um, but she had, you know, brought her car in. And so I went to go meet her and then, you know, we hung out a little bit and we were together and it was so nice. I was like, oh, 
so happy. Oh. I couldn't really hug her, but um, yeah, Harvard Square was great. It was really fun. And I will always regret not driving and honking <laughs> in my official mayor's car. car and like doing the whole Bangra thing. I know but, people were like driving by with like music blasting and it was just such a, uh, just a total feeling of celebration. Um, I talked to some other friends who live in different parts of the country who had seen my videos on Facebook and they were like, God, what's it like to live in a place where like everyone is celebrating? Um, you know, cause I, I forget that, you know, not <laughs> that kind of celebration would, is not totally welcome in right, right. Parts of the country. So, you know, I have a friend who lives in, in Utah and she was like, I was, I was silently celebrating with you guys and it's kind of sad. Mm. Anyway, so that was, that was like a fun thing that happened on Saturday. Although I, you know, every day that goes by that President <laughs> Trump doesn't concede, I just wonder like what might happen. So right. on to other fun things to be excited about. I am actually so excited because season four of The Crown starts Sunday. And I love the show so much, so, so much. And this season is all about Margaret Thatcher um, and Princess Diana. And uh, so like those, those two things are gonna be like amazing. And Margaret Thatcher is being played by Jillian, Jillian Anderson, who I love, 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 love so much. I can't wait. I just can't wait. I have so. never seen The Crown, but you know what is back? Grey's Anatomy. I, I, I heard that. Is it like new? It's new season. It's the, uh, it's, it's see. season 27 or something. <laughs> no, it's season 17. <laughs> I so, wasn't that far off. <laughs> get it right. Yeah. Oh, I've been watching since the first season. So this is like, they're like, you know, Ellen Pampohel, like it's just Meredith's fam, you know, at this point. <laughs> Is like Dr. Dreamy and Dr. McSteamy still on? They 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 got killed off. Oh, both of them? Um, yeah. Whoa. And and, and uh, Meredith's sister. Oh, Ooh, Lexi. Anyway, <laughs> never lived that down. There's been moments. Uh, but yeah, this I cannot wait to watch uh two hours of Grey's Anatomy this weekend. Oh well, I'm I'm excited for both of us that we have something that something to live for <laughs> something to get out of bed in the morning for something to get up for yeah so we did have a meeting monday night it was a very short meeting which was uh, a miracle uh so we there so were nice. some there was some updates so the city announced that we'll be lighting st peter's field which is at 81 sherman street hoyt field which is 13 gilmore street and donnelly field which is 99 berkshire street until 7 30 p.m through december 7th this pilot program will allow for some passive use of these fields after 6.15 on weekdays and from dawn until 7.30 p.m. on weekends and holidays. Yeah, that, we got so many emails from people who are like, can you guys please just keep the, like put some lights on if you feel like it's dark at like four o'clock and people are just really needing and craving um, getting outside and having that outside space and a place to get together with friends. I mean, I know my own kids are like, so bummed that it's getting this dark this so early because they can't Ugh. hang out with their friends in a park so too much I'm too much glad that we're doing that so um what else what else 
were they talking about? What else were the updates? Well, the uh, the inspectional service department uh, has been visiting local businesses to ensure compliance with the uh, governor's executive order, which we talked about last Friday, which is uh, regulating times businesses can operate. And we haven't uh, really encountered many issues yet. Yeah, somebody was saying, I can't remember if it was a counselor or one of the city staff was saying, yeah, I was at a restaurant at 930. Those lights come on. You got to go. <laughs> you gotta go. So um, I'm glad to hear that we haven't had any issues. I know it's been really hard on the restaurant uh, community. Yeah. Um, another thing that came up was the homeless shelter update that we're building um, or we're renovating at Spalding Hospital, which is where the city's temporary emergency shelter will be going uh, once it leaves the war memorial. Uh, site. It should be ready by late November is what we were told Monday night. And then yesterday we had a meeting um, that said they, they ran into a construction hiccup and it it's probably going to be delayed by 10 days to two weeks. So um, that's kind of a bummer because I think everyone was hoping that it would be done in the next two weeks. But the city is working with Bay Cove Human Services to make sure that there is those wraparound services for our homeless residents that they move to the new site. And then once the uh, War Memorial Recreation Center shelter is taken down, it should be returned to its former state, you know, two to three weeks after the move is completed. So that's, you know, it's, uh, it's nice that it's moving out. Um, and hopefully at some point we can have high school students back in um, CRLS. Yeah, uh, we also got an update on the flu, free flu shot clinics. Uh, we'll have one tomorrow, which is a, it's a drive-through um, from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. at Cambridge Side Galleria. It's free for all Cambridge residents, and you can make appointments online at cambridgema.gov slash COVID-19 slash testing. Um, yeah, that, so that's the last one of the free flu shots, I think, that the public yeah. health department is going to be doing. So I'm actually curious how many flu shots they've administered through these flu shot clinics, because um, I bet it's... I bet it's a lot. I, I did get a, um, a voicemail today from the Cambridge Public Schools reminding me that my children, even if they are remote this year, must get a flu shot. So, and then they um, went on to say that this drive-through clinic was happening tomorrow, which I thought was very informative. I really enjoyed it. So thank you, <laughs> Cambridge Public School Department. Um, another thing that we talked about on Monday night is that, you know, across the last couple of weeks of October, 0.2% of the tests among Cambridge residents were returned as positive. And we talked a little bit about the state and their new algorithm based on population size that's being used to determine if the municipality is green, yellow, or red. So Cambridge is still categorized as green under the new algorithm. There has been a, um, a tremendous backlash among <laughs> Massachusetts residents who are like, you cannot just magically wave a wand um, and change the metrics. And then, you know, I think last week, there was over a hundred municipalities that were red and now that, you know, the map just looks totally different. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in the governor's shoes, right? Nope. Now. <laughs> um, but one of the big topics of conversation on Monday night was talking about how the poor East Cambridge and Wellington, Harrington neighborhoods are continuing to see a disproportionately high number of cases as compared to other areas of the city. And we talked about developing a really targeted outreach campaign just to educate residents in those neighborhoods about the city's free testing program and other health resources to keep them safe. Um, we, you know, 
if you look at the heat map, which was included in our presentation, just looking at those three neighborhoods and the, <clears throat> the rate of uh, positive cases is, is really high. And, you know, I think Councilor McGovern even talked about, uh, you know, when we, when we have a campaign, when we're, when we're going to door to door and knocking, like we could knock out those three neighborhoods in two days. So um, really making a concerted effort to make sure that um, those residents are aware of the testing and that it's free and um, available because I think that's where we really need to be prioritizing our efforts. Yeah, no, we both talked about, you know, doing outreach in these neighborhoods, translating materials, you know, you posted, you know, about getting a test. I know Mark posted about getting a test. The more we show about what it means to get tested and how easy it is, I have a video, but we have to really make feel, we have to really get that data. And I know the Cambridge Public Health Department is working on getting that data of who's actually being tested um, in the neighborhoods. Yeah, and the neighborhoods and that racial data that I know that you've been pushing for. Right. So, you know, we've had tens of thousands of tests over the last, you know, six to eight months. And, um, you know, what is the racial breakdown of who's getting tested? Uh, so, you know, and it's really hard without that data to know how to, to respond. Um, so another thing that we talked about, it was, you know, in terms of the outreach, we do have the Cambridge Community Corps, which we've talked about on this podcast before, which is part of the health, public health department who are going out and, and talking to people about the importance of masks and social distancing. Um, and we talked about maybe redeploying the Cambridge Community Corps to do that door-to-door -door effort um, to educate residents uh, about the testing and on top of, you know, the traditional mask use and hand hygiene. Um, the other thing, I just wanted to call out um, is that the universities have had a, a pretty big uptick, both Harvard and MIT um, over the past couple of weeks. So uh, in the last um, two weeks, sorry, in the last seven days, Harvard has uh, had 33 new cases and MIT has had 29 new cases. So that's a significant uptick. I watch this every single day and usually, you know, it was like right. seven, eight, you know, 10. Um, and so those numbers are pretty high. And so I checked in with both universities just to double check when those students were gonna be going home for the, the Thanksgiving break and then not returning again until uh, early 2021. Both universities, students will go home on November 22nd. So nine days from now, those students will all go home. Um, there are some students that stay on campus, but for the most part, by and large, they will, they will all be gone on November 22nd. They both, both universities have plans to bring students back in the spring, depending, you know, dependent on what's happening. Um, the other thing is uh, there were 30 cases reported yesterday just in Cambridge. So we are seeing a significant uptick uh, in Cambridge across the state. So it's more important now than ever to make sure that you are washing those hands, wearing a mask, but really making sure you are not gathering indoors, um, even with, in small groups. Yeah, no indoor gathering people. Just see your household members and legit that's it. I know that's, and just get on Zoom, no, no gathering. It's so hard and I know everyone's looking to, uh, Thanksgiving is next week, the week after. I don't even know because what is time. And I was, um, you know, just overhearing somebody yesterday 
talking about having their family over and it was going to be fine because they were going to leave the windows open. And I was like, Oh, come on, everybody. I know. This I think is really we hard. need to really, I think we have to do a pub. I think we need to just say Thanksgiving is canceled, right? Just don't do Thanksgiving this year. Just do it with your people that you do it with usually, which is in your more immediate families. Don't invite aunt Diane from right. the books here. You know? Well, I just, I posted something on Twitter today that the, the, the wedding that happened in Millinocket, Maine this summer. Right. Oh. So 55 people went to that wedding. From the wedding, they traced 177 cases of COVID. I believe that's the number. And then seven people died. None of the seven people that died actually attended the wedding. Right. So it's, it, you're not endangering just your aunt Diane, right? It's really thinking about what, how does that spiral out? And like, don't be responsible for somebody else's death. Just put Thanksgiving on hold for this year. Do a Zoom thing. My family and I are planning to do a, an outdoor hike with my, um, you know, my brother and his wife and their kids and my mom. We're not going to do a dinner. Um, it's just, it's a bummer. Everybody's, it sucks. Uh, but we yeah. got to make sure and keep our community safe. Last year, you and I, we went to the shelter. Oh my God, I Remember? forgot about that. Yes. We went to the yeah. Harvard Square Homeless Shelter. That was so nice. Um, yeah. I love that shelter. I miss it. I can't believe it's closed during this time. But we can- the year Yeah, the year before I went to, um, where was that? Women's Center. Oh, right, right, right. And that's that's not open either. They're just doing outside classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so there are new some new testing appointments that were just made, so the release. So to everyone, also, please go get tested. Please go get tested. Um, as well. We, this week at council, also passed the truck safety ordinance, which would require that trucks contracted by the city have certain safety improvements like side guards on trucks to prevent bicycles from being swept under the wheels in the case of an accident. Uh, this is the, an idea that's been floated out for years. Uh, we, we talked about it last year at council, mm -hmm. uh, but no real progress had been made towards creating one until it was discussed again at the September 16th Transportation and Public Utilities Committee meeting. So this will take uh, effect in six months. Yeah, I'm glad to see that that's finally on, you know, done and passed and moving forward because, like you said, it's been something we've been talking about for a long time, and it's a critical safety issue for our cyclists. Right. So we were pretty light on policy orders this week. I think after last week's stressful election results, everyone was just otherwise engaged by staring at the that you know the <laughs> ele electoral map, the map show. So, but one important policy order um, that we asked for was to make sure that the state legislature knows the city council is strongly opposed to the, what's called the forging ahead plan that the MBTA recently announced, which is aimed at addressing some budget gaps by instituting, instituting drastic service cuts. So those would include a 20% reduction in subway service during peak hours, a 40% reduction in subway service during off peak hours and the complete elimination of ferry service and com weekend commuter rail service as well as severe limitation, eliminations and shortenings of bus services. And, you know, we, I, I have, it has been like uh, across the board, elected officials from everywhere have been saying that this is just absolutely the wrong direction. 
that the MBTA needs to be going in right now, particularly, I mean, if you, even if you don't think about the COVID crisis that we're in right now, where so many people, this is the, a lifeline um, to get to work, those essential workers to get to work. Um, if you think about environmentally, we, we should be taking up uh, this opportunity to really invest in the MBTA and make sure that it is um, a way that we're getting people out of their cars, you know, moving forward and into the future. Public transportation is a lifeline for just so many people and reducing that service will only make train cars and buses more crowded and really endangering the health and safety of riders. So this was the wrong direction. These service cuts really need to be rethought and I hope the state legislature hears the Cambridge City Council but also that louder chorus from across the, the, the Metro Boston region um, that these this is totally unacceptable. Just totally, totally unacceptable. Completely. I took the tea yesterday or no um uh, veterans day and you know there's not a lot of people on the tee which is good right because you have enough space between people where you feel safe um reducing it by 20 percent because ridership is down during a pandemic is just i, I just i failed to see the logic there so <sighs> no logic uh so yeah that was a late policy order that we all um were unanimous on signing uh, and sending that message. And then we were out by 7.30. I know, I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, this, this has never happened this term before. <laughs> um, and then we had a school committee and city council round table on Tuesday night where essentially in the next few weeks, the city school committee is going to be sending a appropriation to the city council um, for about $9.3 million. Uh, to date, we've spent about $16.3 million on COVID-19 related costs uh, in health and safety, uh, technology, instructional supports, additional educators, um, and so forth. And we are short um, from the city, from the school budget um, by about 9.3 million. So we're asking for a supplemental appropriation request. So it was mostly to go over that um, and the council will be probably voting on that on the 23rd. Yeah, so it was an interesting meeting. I really don't like the format of those meetings um, because it's called a round table, but with like, there's just no discussion amongst the, the two bodies. It's really just city council asking their two questions and then the school committee just kind of is in there in the background, but there's no kind of, I wish there was a way for us to have a more robust conversation uh, about some of this stuff because it does uh, always feels to me like very one-sided, like they come <laughs> and yeah. then they just kind of sit there and then it's over and they go home. Um, I know. Has it always been like that? It, um, like if I remember like Mark, I mean, I feel like we need, yeah, I guess I definitely want to do another one that's like not just a presentation and it's more back and forth. Maybe we can do a follow-up. It, so it's not necessarily just about this topic, but I do feel like, you know, even when we talk about the budget, it's, there's never right. that opportunity for us to have like a, so tell us why you did this or why do you feel strongly about this? Or it's just kind of this, this city council coming with sort of like, Monday morning quarterbacking <laughs> um, 
you know, and I really try to watch the school committee meetings and, and keep up so that when I, you know, when there is a round table, I don't feel like I'm walking into it without a lot of information, but it, yeah. it is a hard format. I would love for us to think about a different way to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a lot of questions around who's in the classroom in terms of yeah. like with, by race, um, who's receiving in-person instruction and who is receiving remote instruction. And I got a lot of numbers thrown at me uh, sort of an hour before the meeting. And I'm gonna request that the information comes in a, a more readable format that I think gets to what, what the question that I'm asking, which is essentially who's in school and who's at home learning remotely um, and what do those class sizes look like? So that's really important for me to understand when you know I go to vote for this supplemental appropriation that I know who's being educated and who's being prioritized uh, in our schools right now. Yeah. So that, um, you said the 23rd, it will be before us? Right, right. Okay. We also uh, had a meeting, this is, I don't know what day it was. I think it was either Tuesday um, yeah, it was Tuesday. It was on the the Health and Safety's Committee. Um, I'm not on where, that one. Oh, you're not on that one? Nope. Um, you know, I love those trees, so I went for a little bit. Um, okay. And essentially, the ordinance um, is getting there. Uh, there's, you know, progress has been, you know, slower than I think expected and desired. Uh, the staff's done their first round of uh, changes um, and hopefully we'll bring those into ordinance. Uh, and I think so. What was discussed were some options and some questions, but the language is really just not ready for adoption. So um, there's a order on for Monday around just keeping the tree moratorium in place um, without a break, um, and we'll need to extend it by. Um, two months to allow the staff to fully work on to develop the language for the full council and for the community to review. So I did see that on Monday night there is a policy order um, to extend the tree protection moratorium until the end of February next year to allow for there to be that additional time for the ordinance language to be drafted. So that's on for Monday night. Um, and then yesterday we had a human services meeting around the city's plan to end homelessness, which we had a very robust conversation. Um, Liz Mendez, who works for the Department of Human Services uh, and deals with homelessness issues. I love her. I think she does an incredible job. Um, it was really nice to see her. She did a beautiful presentation on um, what the city is currently doing um, to help place homeless residents um, into permanent housing. And one of the things I said at the meeting was, I, I know so many people, when you think homeless residents, you think of, you know, the folks that you see um, at the Cambridge Common or, um, you know, in Carl Barron Plaza, but homelessness comes in so many forms. And um, I know our, our, those medjas and her department is, are, work really hard um, in placing so many homeless residents that I feel like are really invisible uh, since taking office, um, for the last three years, the majority of the homeless residents that I deal with are, you know, doubling up at their sister's house or they've been sleeping in their car or, you know, they're at a shelter, but their kids are staying with their mom, right? Like homelessness just takes so many, so many forms. And that's the thing that I've really been struck by um, over the last three years is just um, how, how people don't always think of it that way, 
And so um, we had a really robust conversation about what the city is currently doing. And then we had um, another conversation called what, what else could we be doing during COVID-19? So as everybody knows, we have a warming shelter that opens um, in November and goes through March, which is just a shelter um, that is at the senior center in Central Square. And um, so that is opening soon, but we also um, have an opportunity. There is some dorm spaces at the New England School of English, which is here in Cambridge, um, that has some dorm space that I, we had originally looked at in the spring. Um, and you know, the team, the task force that was looking at uh, how to deal with the uh, decongregation of some of our congregate shelters um, and had deemed it not the greatest location for the population of homeless residents that we were looking to to house, which was from the Albany Street Shelter, um, which is a, welch, a wet shelter, and then the warming shelter. So we had a, a really interesting conversation about how those rooms are still available. And you know, going into this winter, we should really be looking at um, how to make that work. If there's community resources that we could call upon um, to make something like that work, we should definitely pull together the community to do it because, I mean, I'm, you know, we were talking about the Harvard Square homeless shelter a little earlier when we were talking about Thanksgiving. That's a really special place for me. I've spent a lot of time there uh, with the shelter guests and these are folks who, you know, a lot of them are working, they're safe, they're sober. They just um, need a break. They need a help, they need the help and, um, that shelter unfortunately hasn't been open since March. It's heartbreaking mm -hmm. for me, um, but Harvard, uh, you know, it's, it's run by Harvard students and um, they, they had to go home. So I think about those shelter guests and I think that, you know, a place like the New England School of English would be perfect uh, for some of those residents that, that really need a safe place to stay and, and don't need a lot of the services that, that folks who are at Albany Street might need. So you know, I think I said something like we have an, a moral obligation to look into that. So I, I hope I, I was not alone in that. I, you and, and some others kind of chimed in too that um, we should be looking at this. Uh, if we are heading into a kind of a, a tough place with this virus, we don't know what's going to happen, but it does not look good. It does not look good. Right. Yeah, no, it was a really good discussion about and hearing from um people who are on the ground um, and doing this work and all the, the good updates. And so I was, I was glad um, we were able to finally have the, the meeting. And then later that day, we both had meetings. Um, I had to leave the ordinance meeting early, um, but I had a meeting for school committee on revising current metrics and uh, essentially we had this meeting last week but there were concerns about process and so I uh, organized this and facilitated this meeting from different members of our community and community groups to come talk about um, you know what questions they had what concerns they have uh, and we were able to revise the metrics uh, uh, two of the metrics that we have uh, are based on, one is on the weighted average of new cases per day per 100,000 people. Um, and we'll be using a Cambridge-centric 
for that. And then same with test positivity rate. Uh, we're keeping the sewage one to, um, to a, a regional one because we don't have specific sewer. Uh, our water program is not up and running or it started, but we haven't seen results from it yet. So we also shared information about how many CPS COVID-19 confirmed cases there's, there've been. Um, there's been 12 confirmed cases since October 13th, um, seven among staff and five among students. And so we'll also be sharing more details uh, on that on the website and the dashboard and sharing COVID-19 testing participation rates. We have been testing um, a lot. We were able to receive another update last night on how many tests we've been able to do and how many staff we've been able to test and how what the average of that is so it was a good um it was a good discussion a lot was covered it was a lot to, great to always see so many members of our community participating um you know it's a challenging time and it's a hot it's a it's a hot topic right with keeping schools open um but it's going to be a challenge ahead as we think about the rates the community spread going up here i i have to say i really enjoyed the format um, where, it, where there was, you know, there was the public, the public comment period, but then there was space and time for um, invested community groups to have a different, um, you know, platform to, to talk about the perspective from their community group, like the NAACP was there, MBK was there, um, you know, a couple of other groups that represent, you know, um, large parts of our community. And so it was interesting to see that them elevated um, a little bit. And I, I really, I thought it was a, a really interesting way for a meeting to, to happen. And um, I appreciated it. I know, I know it's like, it's such a hard thing to talk about right now and, and the metrics and testing. And I know, you know, seven staff members, still seven staff members. And I, I think the teachers have concerns and, um, it's scary. It's a scary time and yeah. there's a lot of fear and um, yeah, um, more to come, more to come. So, okay. So while you were doing that, um, I was, <laughs> I was at the ordinance committee meeting. So Biomed Realty, which has a parcel of land at 585 Third Street, which was the former site of the constant, what was going to be the Constellation Center, um, Unfortunately, the Constellation Center, which was planned to be uh, a performing art space in Kendall, never came to fruition. And so Biomed Realty purchased the, the land um, and have planned to put a lab building uh, on the space, but have committed um, to about 45,000 square feet for a performing arts center uh, on the first and second floor. So it, it will be about 545,000 square feet uh, it's going to be 250 feet tall, which is about 25 stories. Um, and if people know the location on Third Street, it's just that big empty gravel lot right now. <laughs> it's just so weird. It's just like this yeah. empty gravel lot. And then at the very front, there is an Eversource GTS um, gas transmission site, which we have, but the city has wanted to move off of Third Street for a long time. And Biomed has... Uh, been very successful in moving that through the process. So they are going to be paying about $35 million to relocate that Eversource GTS 
um, piece of equipment uh, to another spot in Kendall Square. They have one last step with the Department of uh, Environmental Protection, which takes a long time, but that will be part of um, this whole building. So they're gonna remove that GTS, which will be great. Uh, the building will have no new gas hookups and it'll be powered by steam, which is really incredible. It's uniquely situated in a way that it can do that. But I think the most important and exciting thing is that they are going to be building this arch and culture space, um, which uh, with a 300 seat theater. Um, Biomed Realty has been really doing their homework for the past two years here in Cambridge around what the arts community needs instead of what was being planned. So the Constellation Center was gonna be, I think seven stages of fine art uh, performance state spaces. And really what the arts community needed here was, um, you know, a, a theater, places to perform, places to, to show their work. Uh, it's gonna be really exciting. I think what they're gonna do is have an operator, somebody that will manage the space and manage the artists and the venues. Um, we actually went to go tour a space in Providence last year or the year before called AS220, which is a space like this, which has a, you know, a number of different visual and performing arts spaces and it's open to the community to, to perform inside. And I think you heard a lot of artists come last night and public comment and really talk about how hopeful they were that this art space was being built. I think the narrative right now, and even before COVID was that art spaces were closing everywhere, but particularly in Cambridge and particularly in the greater Boston area. So um, I just felt like it was a little bit of a breath of fresh air into this kind of doom and gloom arts space uh, right now that we're gonna be building something great in Kendall Square, something arts-based and community-based. And so there was a, a really good conversation last night. Uh, the planning board advanced it, uh, their, their petition with a positive recommendation. And we at the city council advanced it to the full city council with a positive recommendation as well. So that uh, will be moving forward, sounds like. Yeah, I had to leave it. I saw the beginning and uh, I had to leave it, but um, impressive with what all was presented. So excited to see that finally move ahead. Um, so what else tomorrow? So, yeah. So what's up for the weekend? Uh, it's tomorrow we have the CPS resource fair from 10 to 11 um, at the Pisani Center. Is it set only up an at hour? Nine, set up at nine. What? It's only an hour? Sorry, I said <laughs> 10 to 12. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, so that's my morning and you'll be there from the spot. Yeah, so the spot uh, will be, if you need a coat, for yourself or your child or snow pants. Um, we'll be there from the spot, making sure that we match. We've got a ton of coats and sweatpants, match them to people who need them. So come see, come see us both, come say hi. It'd be great to see everybody. Um, yeah, and so that's happening in the morning. And then um, in the afternoon, we have, um, there's being a, a vigil planned for Najee Josephs, who was a CRLS graduate who, was 20 years old and tragically was killed in a hit and run accident this weekend in New Jersey as he was attending a wedding. So that's happening tomorrow at 4 p.m. at Magazine Beach. Um, there's a tremendous amount of young people in our community who are really, really hurting right now because they've lost this wonderful um, human being so young. Um, just so reading sad. about him, it's just so sad. I can't. Did like, you ever I see the um, show at, that he was in at West Side Story? 
I didn't see that one. Yeah, he was great. I remember. It's just so, it's so awful to hear losing a young person, somebody who was 20 and so had their whole lives ahead of them. And, you know, I, it's so hard to lose a friend. It's just uh, devastating. Uh, devastating. So, so that's happening tomorrow afternoon. And then um, we have some late breaking news today that um, the city of Cambridge has announced that they are reopening at search to create a permanent public artwork to commemorate the 100th anniversary of women in the United States winning the right to vote. So this was something that you and I and uh, Vice Mayor Devereaux and Councillor Simmons all worked on making sure that we had a piece of public artwork to commemorate the passage of the 19th Amendment um, to the Constitution in 1920, but also recognize the Black, Indigenous, Asian, Latinx, and other women of color that were excluded from access to voting rights um, even though that 19th Amendment passed. So there was a press release that came out today, but essentially the city is reopening the selection process because it strongly believes that commissioning a, pu a public artwork that honors women's suffrage and highlights the contributions of women of color who have often been overlooked in this history of the movement requires a selection process that successfully recruits artists of all races. Um, it, the press release kind of goes on to say that the process by which they um, reached out to artists and selected artists may not have um, captured the, or have, may not have reached enough people to really have a vibrant and diverse range of artists that um, were participating. So we are restarting that process. I think it's, I am, you know, I'm very grateful to the committee for working so hard, uh, but I think it's important for us to recognize and realize when structural and institutional racism exists and really own up to it and, and, and move forward. Um, I think it's the only way that we can actually move forward as communities and be anti-racist. So um, look for that. That is gonna be com coming out. I thought the press release was released right before this. So there's a longer explanation of it and I imagine it will be written up um, in the Cambridge Chronicle, <clears throat> because I, I think it's it's an important statement you'd be making right now. Absolutely, no, and thank you for you know, you're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes on this. So I'm glad there's a resolution. Yes, exactly. All right, so it is Friday afternoon. We are so happy that you joined us here today at Women Are Here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring about your community. If you love this podcast, please let people know. Um, we would love to have more listeners. If you have TV shows or small businesses to recommend, uh, if you have questions, please tweet at us. I'm a, oh, sorry, I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. And I'm at Sambal Siddiqui at... No, I'm at Mayor Siddiqui. <laughs> You're and at Mayor Siddiqui. Don't I'm tweet at, at her. Don't tweet at her. Tweet at me. <laughs> You're better at it anyway. Anyway, cool. happy Friday. Hope hey. um, you guys have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye.